Good morning, Cincinnati, and welcome into another winning episode of the Bearcat Brunch. I'm your host, David Simone, joined as always by Jeff Howe, and presented always by Royal Links Golf Tours. Have you always wanted to play golf at St. Andrews or have that perfect pint of, <coughs> pint of Guinness in Ireland? Royal Links Golf Tours is a golf tour specialist offering unforgettable golf experiences to Scotland, England, Ireland, and Wales. Their custom itineraries are more than golf trips. They're immersive, cultural, and country experiences that will surprise and delight you both on and off the course. Royal Links Golf Tours is owned by former Bearcat quarterback Hayden Moore and his partner, UC alum Jeff Bartholomew. If you'd like to play St. Andrews or have that perfect pine in Ireland, visit their website at royallinksgolftours.com or call them directly at 770-331-1525. And with that, another win for the Bearcats, 31-21 at Tulsa. Uh, We're not the curse. Yes. Uh, A defense-dominated performance, which I'm sure we will get into plenty. Jeff, thank you again for joining. Thank you again for everybody that gets up early after what felt like a 17-hour game thanks to probably uh ncaa record of reviews and penalties and nonsense and all of that but uh the bearcats start conference play one and oh and uh as we do every week big takeaway from the win um i think it's pretty obvious uh, my takeaway is that the defense that they, i don't know that there's really a true like Week, week, I mean, you can nitpick some things, but I mean, they they looked ridiculous. Dogs. Yes, that's a, that's a good word to use. Hello, there. hello, Ed. Happy Sunday to you as well. Morning, Ed. But yeah, dogs. I mean, well, it, it comes cats. from everywhere. I guess, I guess we're, we call them cats. Oh, that, that too. <laughs> whatever, you, whatever you want to call them, whatever vicious creature you want to use, that's what they are. Yeah, I mean, it was. Relentless pressure, you know, 11 sacks, 14 tackles for loss. Um, I'm, you know, as the game went on, I, you know, in all hindsight, of course, 2020, started to question whether playing Davis Bruin was the right decision for them. It, just from the fact of, like, not even from a scrambling standpoint, like he could not move in the pocket. He, there couldn't was, keep, he couldn't keep himself alive. If there was whatsoever. anybody near his feet, it affected his, you could tell from the very, his first throw of the game, he could yes. not push off his back foot. He, you know, and I have no idea if their backup would have been good enough. Maybe they would have uh, ran the ball more and they didn't really have success running the ball no. anyway, but it just felt, as the game went on, they were not going to be able to block UC and they just weren't going to, you know, they, you know, they had some success because they still have very good offensive talent. And when they did block it up and, you know, had a couple confusing plays uh, for the UC secondary, but you know, they just, he never had time. He, he tried, I felt like he tried to do too much, obviously on the Deshaun interception. And then on one of his uh, sack fumbles, I'm like, it was like he was engulfed and he's like trying he flipped to, the ball. He like almost flipped it straight up. I mean, like he yeah, thought he saw like, something. What, you, yeah. what do you think you're going to be able to do there? But I don't, and I don't know if that goes back to like when you, when you talk about him being around like 
there were a lot of times where like his feet were almost like were totally wrapped up ankles together like he's it's a sack right and yeah. it was like he thought like if i get rid of the ball like they're gonna get off my ankle that hurts really bad right and so he he's you know flipping the one out that deshaun just walked back in um the one that the other one that you talked about there with like the i don't even know what he was trying to do if he was trying to flip it to a running back or what but it just like you know scored it away and then there was a couple other ones that were kind of borderline that like is he really throwing it or was the ball knocked out of his hand and his hand just like pushing it forward because that's right. Like, I mean, that's, they had the, <clears throat> the sack fumble that they rolled a fumble and then reverse, which I kind of felt the same way you just said, like, was his arm going forward because he was trying to throw the ball or was his arm going forward because he got hit in the back and just physics forced right. his arm forward and the ball came out. Like I, that's the way I kind of felt like it. I'm not, I'm sure we'll get into it a little bit later. I am not going to really say much about the officials because the whole thing was an absolute joke and they don't deserve really much of our time. Um, but the, de the defense does deserve our time. I mean, obviously pace again, 10 tackles, one and a half sacks, two and a half tackles for lost force fumble and an amazing pass breakup on oh, fourth down. Um, incredible. Jabari. Good to see him. Two and a half sacks. Briggs, another sack and a half. Briggs is, Second on the team with three sacks. Ten players credited with at least a half a sack. Four, I think it's 14 guys now. 13 or 14 guys total on the roster have been credited with at least a half a sack. Uh, obviously now first in the nation in sacks, 23. First in the nation in tackles for loss, 50. I'm pretty um, sure they're first in the nation in defensive touchdowns scored at four. I, I would guess that would be, that, that would be hard that, to beat. I mean... I'll get into some more defensive stats from, from the season standpoint late, later on. But, I mean, you know, I think, you know, like you said, if you want to nitpick, third down defense was bad. Yeah. Um, and even taking away some of the, what I would say, egregious conversions due to penalties, they still gave up several, like, chunk plays. I remember one, I think, was third and seventeen. Yes, and they gave up a tw maybe a twenty-two yard pass or something uh, down the seam. So, I think Arquan wasn't able. I think he tried to give it a go and maybe got nicked up and then wasn't able to go. So I'm sure that had something to do with it. Um, but still, secondary when they didn't get home, they did struggle on times, especially on third down, to just keep these these drives alive. And they were able to accumulate plays. I mean, I think they ran another eighty something plays. So. Back-to-back -back weeks, the defense has been on the field a lot. Uh, good morning, Richard. Good morning, Holly. Good morning, Brad. Thank, good morning, Jason. Joe, thank you guys all for joining us. Um, and ladies. Uh, but, I mean, I'm not going to belabor any of that, really. I mean, you hold a team, Davis Brin, injured or not, had thrown for over 400 yards twice, another 50% passing performance, mm -hmm. two, tack, you know, two sacks, or two two turnovers, two interceptions, two fumbles, like eleven sacks. Yeah, I'm just. It was it was a virtuoso performance from I mean, less, the defense. Less than a yard per carry. Well, that's taking in sack right. yards. Right. The running the running backs had 20, 28 for one hundred four, which is still pretty good, and is is a positive, given the fact that like we knew that they have ran the. That's the other thing, like. 
They've ran the ball successfully against us the last two seasons. So to limit that, um, you know, 4.98 yards per drop back, 3.65 yards per play. So that's two weeks in a row. They have held an opponent with a pulse as an offense to under four yards per play. It's, it's virtually impossible to do that. Well, when you got a bunch of dogs, cats, whatever. I mean, <laughs> animals, bunch of animals, animal, right? Relentless, just relentless. Like throughout my notes, like as I as I'm watching the game, because I had to watch it this morning. But as I'm watching the game, literally all I have in here is just like pressure, 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 pick six, pressure, 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 sack. Like just you, pressure. you had to watch it, and I refused to watch it after watching it one time. And we'll see, and I guess that. I didn't. <laughs> I guess I didn't. I, I didn't get affected so much by the uh, by like the reviews and all the. Uh, you could like, fast forward it. I was just like clicking forward, you know, fifteen seconds at a time, right? And, and then you know, if I overshot the next play, I just go back. But yeah, exactly. So it it took me about an hour and a half to get through it. Yeah, after that one last night, I was like, I don't care enough to rewatch it. <laughs> like I saw what I needed to see. The defense w- was awesome. Watch and, all the know. defensive snaps. Yeah. Uh, you know, Javon Hicks. Another interception, oh. a, a crazy interception. Like how, like roll went behind his back almost as he rolled into the end zone. Tonk, mm-hmm. thank you for the donation, much appreciated. Tonk. Yes, <laughs> I'm sure we'll also get into that. Thank you that the Bearcats don't football team does not have to go back to that forsaken place again. Uh, I did find it funny that they hyped the game up all week. They had an Oktoberfest thing. They had like a carnival thing. Obviously, they apparently hate UC, so you know the fans should be coming out in force. They had less people, according to their official website, they had less people than they did for Northern Illinois. Um, barely over twenty one thousand. So, so, like, it, it's funny you say that. When <laughs> I was on my way, I, we were. I was in the car yesterday with my wife on the way to concert when the game started and Dan Horde was on the radio and he was talking about like the UC faithful that made the trek and yeah. you know all that kind of stuff and he's like and if you draw your attention to the other side uh, of the stadium here it appears uh, that the Tulsa fans were not aware that this game was open to the public <laughs> I was like oh geez like is it that bad obviously like I couldn't pull up a picture of it but the, the picture he painted Made it sound like nobody was there. Yeah, it was, uh, you know, that first shot when they, like, open up the game is, like, the aerial. I was just like, I guess this is kind of, like, not a big deal. So, whatever. Um, but, yes, glad to be done there. It was a mess, as always, playing them. Um, but, you know, the it, it's kind of, you know, at a loss for word. Like, we keep talking about the defense, and especially Ivan Pace. Like, yeah. I'm trying to figure out like other, you know, talk about some other guys, but so many of them just had, you know, Justin Watley, another sack. I don't know if Micah Potter was credited with anything, but he was active again. Uh, the Godfather, another sack. I mean, when you're getting sacks from your nose in a three, three, five, it's just, it's so hard to beat that because the quarterback just has nowhere to go when the pocket is collapsing straight up the middle. Well, that that was there were a lot of those sacks. Like if you and even like the pressures, even just the pressures with um, and, and we talk about him 
every week because he deserves it. But uh, Ivan Pace, literally, like, is his pre-snap movements have got to be so confusing and and literally terrifying. And yesterday he had Joker face paint on, so like that's got to be even more terrifying. Look up and see that guy, but the way he moves around pre-snap and then is like shot out of a can. I mean, his brother's the same way, but when, as soon as the ball snapped and he's driving back into the backfield and then the quarterback looks one way, there's, you know, Eric Phillips coming at him and it's just it, nothing, nowhere for him to go. And when you've got a guy like Davis Brin who has apparently like a broken ankle and is still trying to be out there, he's like a sitting duck. Yeah, uh, Ivan cracks me up because he's like just all over the place pre-snap. And then he does this move where he like is right at the line. And then right before the snap, he kind of like turns his back as if he's going to like drop in. And then when they snap, he just like flips, turns and just takes on whoever is there. Like, I don't know if he's like just it's the guard, it's the center. It's, it's just kind of like and one time he was like got knocked down. He was crawling to like Bryn's ankles, trying, yeah. just trying to well, sack it. It's like I was going to bring that up too. Uh, Wilson Huber on one of them on hit. I think it was okay. So he only had one. So it was his one. It was his one. Like second. the very end of the game, he got blocked into the ground. Yeah, and and he was bear crawling across the field and jumped up and was like, well, he got uh, yeah, he got just doesn't stop. He took on the the running back, got knocked down. The quarterback came out. Uh, to the I guess the plays left. Yes. And Huber like just got up, whipped back. I mean, these guys just they're relentless. It's 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 very, very impressive. I I can't say enough uh positive things about their performance. I mean, some of the numbers for you mentioned some of the numbers for Tulsa. I mean you know, if you look at the you know on gameonpaper.com that I like to use for any of you guys and, and ladies that are into kind of the deeper analytical stuff, like all their offense, they, they categorize it as like green to purple, purple, dark, dark, purple, bad, strong, green, good. All of their offensive numbers are basically dark to like medium shade purple. Like it was, it was a very, very impressive performance and, you know, they have now what I would call a double buy, playing South Florida at home and then the buy. So hopefully we can get a little healthy. <laughs> hopefully, you know, it can, can can continue to fix a few things. But defensively, you know, and I'll, I'll add Mason Fletcher into defense because his punting has been awesome. Mm -hmm. uh, he's now fifth nationally in just pure average this is not net average, but so 46.6 yards per punt. Um, so he's, he's been, he's a, he's a weapon. He's, he's, he's a weapon. He is, you know, if you have that kind of defense and then when your offense struggles and you can, can, you know, for the most part have a pretty damn strong punt every time. Like we've talked about this for going on years. Like teams just are not going to drive the field on this defense. They're, you know, the only, like you saw the other day or yesterday, their one drive in the second half was kind of a short field uh, and two big plays. 
And other than that, I mean, they had two sustained drives, but that's just it's not going to get it done. There's, the offense has too many playmakers. It's too explosive, and and we can kind of kind of switch gears and and get into the offense now. I think the biggest takeaway for me offensively is that the running game finally broke out. Yeah. Um, he had 25 carries for 193 yards uh, combined by Kiner and Chuck. You had two explosives in the run game. Uh, you know, 50 over, was a 50, over 50 yards. Yard, two runs over 50. Uh, you had Kiner's 19-yard touchdown. Um, just, just much better all around. You didn't see the the stops in the back at the line and, and things of that nature. So, you know, really, really good to see that pick up. And they still had, you know, 6.7, pick 6.17 yards per play. It's still like slightly above average. So, and I know it's buoyed by explosives, which their explosive rate again was 12%, 84th, 84 percentile. Like, I don't think Aaron counts any of those as explosive plays. Well, so the 62 yarder probably. I don't know. Last and, week and I think 60, 80 was 60, 80 was his threshold. 60 threshold yarder last week. to Tyler Scott, where I think you were the closest defender. <laughs> um, but you know, obviously the offense needs to find more consistency. You can't bank on explosives. But right. we're five games in, and they're hitting 10 percent or more explosive rate every game so you can say you can't bank on it but they're doing it every week yeah and then even though like and you got you had a couple plays to i know they only had i don't even i don't see how many targets they had but leonard taylor had three receptions josh wiley had two um you know you've got these nfl tight ends that if if you don't aren't able to go deep with the ball all the time they're right there across the middle yeah, Wiley had five targets, uh, two catches. Lenny had three for three. three. You know. But, yeah, I think, you know, I, th I don't think it's – I think everybody would say that we'd like to see the tight ends get involved more. It's just a matter of like, okay, so the, the run game goes off. <clears throat> you run the ball 25 times with them. Ben only throws it 27, like – you just, you know, what what are you what are you taking away from to give them more targets? Like I get it, and I and I agree, but like the run run game was successful, so you're not going to throw the ball forty times. No. So, you know, nobody had more than six targets. Trey and Tyler Scott both had six targets. Hmm. You know, so like Lenny had three, Josh had five, Martin I mean, had Josh, three. Josh has two receptions for four yards and a touchdown, and I like that's. Yeah, I mean, they tried to hit him down the field. Yeah. I mean, <clears throat> just they just didn't connect. You know, the success rate wasn't great. Ben, you know, Ben missed on one big miss. I thought was the the Mardner yeah. play that 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 he was open and and he he missed that. Like the throw to Tyler Scott in the end zone. I have no idea how you they saw enough to overturn that. Yeah, that, that like, was a that was a no, good catch. And then no the... clue how you could rule out a touchdown on the field and overturn it. Uh, the throw to Mardner that looked like a touchdown but wasn't his foot was out of bounds. Like, yeah, that was an insane throw. Um, I know we're gonna them. we're gonna harp on the interception. I'm gonna say it again. Two of his four interceptions are on a play that should not be called. Yeah, I was uh, when opposite, I saw this. When I saw this field throw. Don't don't yes, don't throw. Like, it was a bad throw. Like, he threw it inside. 
don't call the damn play. That's Especially twice. don't call the damn play when it's third and seven on your own seven-yard line. And literally the only bad thing that can happen right now is to throw an interception. Right. That, when I watched it happen, I was like, "It's is this an Arkansas replay? Like, what am I doing? Like, I'm not absolving him for a bad throw. It was a terrible throw. It was way too mm-hmm. – he's got – one, Pascal wasn't even open, and two, he threw it inside. But, no. like, second down we throw, and, thir- like, you're running for – I mean, Corey Kiner had 8.8 yards of carry, and Charles McClellan at 6.7. Like, it's second and seven from inside your own tent. Run the damn ball. Third and whatever, run the damn ball. So what? You punt. Like, Mason Fletcher kicks a 50-yard punt. The literally only bad thing that could have happened there was a turnover. Yeah. I just, I didn't understand it at all. And I mean, luckily, if we're gonna... luckily, the defense was playing the way that the defense plays, and it didn't, it ended up not mattering. But like, did they score there? How much time was even left in the game? I think that were, turnover so was like just under six, seven minutes. Yeah. Six, six minutes, 48 seconds left. And you give them a ball on the 10. If they have any ability to, to score right there, you're looking at a, a a field goal game with probably five minutes left. Yeah, where you need to drive the ball, like you need to do something because if you punt it back to them, they got they're probably going to have plenty of time to go down and, and kick a field goal or try to try to score to win the game. You know, it's it's to me it's just Matt. Like, don't put your don't put yourself in that position. Don't put yourself in. Don't even put yourself in that position. Like, I don't, I don't know. Like, it doesn't matter. They won by ten. It was. And that's the other thing, yeah. like, I know there's hair pull moments and, and we all are, are looking for this perfect game. The lowest win probability they had was 71.4%, and that's when Tulsa tied it at seven. So, like, for all of the consternation and the nervous, you know, if you're nervous or you're frustrated, like, at no point in the second half was it was was were they under 80% win probability. Like I said, I mean, you can nitpick things if you want to nitpick things. Yeah, it's like, college football. I mean, I mean, look, okay, I mean, so every they game, score, every they single game could be nitpicked. <laughs> so I mean, you look at it and you're like, well, every possession, the last one, two, three, four possessions for UC in the out of the five that they had in the second half, one, two, three, four, five. So one possession and a touchdown. The rest of them were punts or an interception. Yeah, I mean, UC. That, so. Yeah. The con- I guess the you know if we're gonna talk about like legit concerns offensively, the second half again seven points, two weeks in a row, uh, and the, th- the third down offense was abysmal. Fourth down offense picked him up with some creative uh, calls and touchdowns on two fourth third, downs. Third down offense is atrocious. Yeah, it's just they're not they're not two for fourteen converting. They're not taking advantage of their available yardage. Um, that's got to get better. Maybe hopefully the run game. You would think when you run the I guess when you have two carries that go for over hundred yards, it skews things a bit. But like you would yeah. think running the ball better would help your third down percentage. Uh, but no, you know because it clearly didn't. So you know obviously things. Things need to get cleaned up on third down and and figured out in the second half. But um, you know, I was listening to the um, nightcap last night with Chad and Aaron, and and Chad mentioned 
you know, I don't know. I probably won't get this 100% correct, but just talking about how Tulsa, you know, isn't, a, you know, they're not, I'm not saying anybody's afraid, but like they, they'll match the physicality. They'll match the toughness. They'll make it, you know, a mud wrestling match. And that's good enough to keep it close. But like the differentiation is UC still has the dudes yeah. to make the explosives, to make the big plays on defense. And that's why they've won these games. Like, you can muddy it up and you can can do the things that Tulsa's done the last few times they've played, but they just haven't been able to get over the hump. And I just think that that comes down to a talent discrepancy. Yeah, and I think you're gonna I mean you're gonna have that when you're playing a team like Tulsa versus a team like UC that's on its way to the Big Twelve coming off a college football playoff appearance. Like Sure. The the talent the talent uh disparity there is is going to win out i mean that's why you see like a lot of these games with the the top 10 teams or whatever in the in the country top 15 teams in the country like maybe they're close through like the first half for whatever reason and then they get blown out yeah eventually you know water finds its level right like eventually the other team is going to make plays and good morning gmac thank you for joining morning um but you know and i i do want to say you know uh marcus on the message board said something this morning that made me think of you know kind of talked about a little bit about how you know the uh the in-game thread which i never go to uh can always be a, a fun read but how you know it kind of made me think of he had a good comment and made me think of like Five games in, I'm kind of look, viewing this season as like a a combo 2019-2020 type team. Like, the COVID year changes the equation a bit because you, oh, buddy, look at all these chats that Whoa. just jumped in here. <laughs> uh, but God. the... Uh, the COVID year kind of changes the equation a little bit because you have guys on the roster that wouldn't have normally still been on the roster. But like 2019-2020, we were winning games and winning a lot of games, but there were very few of them were these like clean works of art. Yeah. And this is how I feel this season kind of is. Like we joke and we say like that the – talking heads and the the you know company line is there replacing nine draft picks and all this and while that's true like it still does make a f- effect like you're still you still are replacing one of the best cornerbacks to play college football in a long time you are replacing like the third winningest quarterback in college football history and probably like the best quarterback in UC his like you cannot I, I just I can't see like being uber critical five games into a season yeah. When you're when you're trying to replace that amount of talent, when a so bunch many of dudes. so many new players, not to the team, but to eighty something defensive snaps, are getting their you know still getting their feet wet, still learning, still whether it's defense snaps, offense snaps, like they're going. There's going to be stretches where it's downright ugly, and we've seen it. Even in, you know, obviously, even in the last two wins, like the offense has not clicked, especially on third down, whole has game. not clicked in in uh, the second half. And yet, like I said, 
they were never really in jeopardy of, of dropping this game. No, it didn't. It, so, like, I was paying attention to it, obviously, while I was out, like, on my phone. I kind of looked at it. Like, it never seemed like that was an issue. Like, the game was never really, like... I didn't get the sense from what I was looking at on Twitter and what I was looking at that the game was kind of, like, in the balance at any point. It just seemed like it was a point where, like, people were like, can we please do more? Right. I mean, you're up 10 most of the second half, and you're like, another touchdown or even another field goal here is like, this thing is over. Right. And you throw that interception, and, like, you just think, okay, if they score here, then we're game on. But, like, even when they had the interception, it didn't really change the win probability. Uh, like, you had the one – was the, there was the one um... – off the the Kiner big run, uh, did that that one turn into zero points because of the hold yeah, on I think they the had hold the, that negated the, the Wiley touchdown? The touchdown and then to um, missed the kick, Tyler right? Scott, and then we missed the kick. Yeah, because Wiley scored a touchdown, but that was called back on a James Tunstall holding, and then uh, it was the next one, the Tyler Scott one that they overturned. Yeah, I think yeah. the yeah, I think we made the field goal on the one that um, the one that was overturned on Wiley. Uh, am I misplacing? Yeah, it? I think we're, I think I think you're mixing that one up. Either either way, anyway, like, yeah. I just you know ah, it was Wiley, and then Wiley was incomplete because of the uh, holding. The next one was the uh, was Mardner. Another oh, yeah. another Mardner, yeah. So anyway, clean that up. Yeah, I just like I I think there's I mean, a there's a, picky we can there's a difference between like understanding that and wanting teams to be better because I mean that's not a it's not silly. Like we all want them to play better, you know, two for 14. I'm not going to pretend like that's good on third down and be like, Oh, no big deal. They won. Like, but there's another, there's another level that it seems like we're going to where some are wanting a perfect game. When even last year we didn't play perfect. I mean, shit, this game last year, eight plays in, inside the five yard line. And they're a touchdown and a two point conversion away from tying the game. Like, yeah, in our dream storybook year, like you still have moments in games or games where it's just like, just get the damn win. Like, you know, because I think because of the polls and the playoff committee and all this stuff just makes it be like, you know, like they're watching every single play or every single drive. And if we don't, score 40 on a team because other people think the American is crappy, then like, then it's going to like dock us or something where I'm just, we're lucky if those like, guys pick up the newspaper and look at the, the final score the next day, let alone watch every play of the game. Yeah. I mean, it's, there's all, it'll already be interesting to see like, you know, I'm, I don't care about the polls. I think they're uh, hilarious, but I got to go dark real quick. Hold on. Uh, okay. Keep, I'm still talking, but I got to go camera. But yeah, so it's uh, <laughs> it's funny that, um, I don't know, fans are fans. I love them all. 
I just think that there's still a lot of pieces being worked on and a lot of, um, yeah, just a lot, a lot of things that need to be cleaned up, but a lot of really good that came of it too. You know, if I just said to you, we got the running game going and the defense had 11 sacks, you'd be like, well, I'm pretty sure we won. Yeah. <laughs> and, and that's exactly what happened. So, uh, I mean, I, I didn't count up how many quarterback hits they had, but I, I feel like it's probably pretty close to the number of uh, plays Tulsa ran yesterday. So, Oh, there was a bunch. That's for sure. Yeah. I mean, I know it was, it had to have been double digits, even not counting the sacks. Yeah. I didn't have that number. Let's see, like, I feel like four quarterback uh, hurries is very low. I don't know. I guess maybe they take the sacks out of that. I don't know. Yes. They take the sacks out of that, yeah. Yeah. So I guess when you have 11, that would be, add those in, that's 15. <laughs> Pretty good little uh, little run by the, by the defense. Javon Hicks, we didn't really like get into uh, Javon Hicks like a whole whole lot um, just because we kind of blanket said that the defense was was really really good but I was very impressed with Javon Hicks uh, the plays that he was able to make out there yeah I, th- I thought he came up big on the one hit that uh, over the middle and kind of the RPO that can be a bad bad play for the defense if you get sucked in too much and then mm-hmm. Obviously, his interception. He had a, pa- a long pass breakup. Um, he did give up. He, like he had one, an unsportsmanlike one... conduct or a unnecessary roughness penalty that I have no no idea what he did. So that was cool too. Yeah, that yeah. was. <laughs> uh, was that the one? There was like seven penalties on the play. They all offset because the cameramen were awesome. It was oh, a, they, that was also a, a shit show. That's um, why that's why we have no idea what happened the, there. The, if there was the any Kiner, pass, the Kiner, the Kiner nineteen yard touchdown. Like they, they're still reviewing like a rub route from the play before, and then they like, then they cut in and Kiner's in the end zone like dancing, and I was like, "What? What just happened? Like, did I miss something?" If there was any pass to Tulsa's sideline, you you didn't see it. Yeah, like, you had no idea if they threw it to the it bottom like, of the screen. You had no idea who was down there if it was caught. <laughs> like if somebody made a play on it, I don't know. They ran out and handed the ball to him, and they're like, there you go, you're good. Like, that's a recession. No clue. Yeah. It was... It was like a student-run broadcast, is what it was like. And I yeah. think the referees were maybe student-run referees. I yeah. I want to also say, uh, glad to see Ryan Montgomery back, 31-yard punt return. Oh, yeah, uh, yeah, yeah. Yeah, those, these are just like the hidden yards to where when your offense is struggling in the second half, you get a, a, a big punt return like that to help you out. Like it's not always going to, you know, we're not going to play Kennesaw every week. We're not going to just march up and down the field. We don't have, you know, we're, I, I wouldn't even call it like, it's not a rebuild. It's clearly not a rebuild. I wouldn't, I'm not even sure if I call it a reload. Like it's a, a reboot. Like you're, you're just rebooting things a little bit and there's going to be parts in games where it probably gets a little ugly. And so you get some hidden yards from a punt return or you, your defense steps up for you and you end up with a, you know, a road 10 point win against a team that has been in the conference championship has beaten a lot of the better teams in the league at home. So, you know, 
it, it was nice to finally go to Tulsa. And since we've been ducking them for, you know, yeah. all these years and finally, right. finally be able to get a win. I think that also is the, uh, the second, um, the second series that Luke Fickle has taken back for the Bearcats. They're, uh, I think 18, 17 and one or something. I loved, I loved that in his weekly press conference, someone asked him about that. And he was like, he basically was like, I have no idea and I don't care. <laughs> it was like as flippant an answer as as Luke is going to give. Almost like, why are you asking me about yeah, the, the all time series between UC and Tulsa? <laughs> seven, it was like seventeen and seven, seventeen, seventeen and two. Is that what I said? I think. Maybe, yeah, yeah, seventeen, seventeen and two. So now it's eighteen, seventeen and two, and hopefully we never play them ever again. Yeah, I. I... <laughs> I do want to, I will touch, you know, because I did send off a couple tweets during the game, which I, outside of a halftime tweet, I very, I don't even look at Twitter. Yeah. Uh, outside of giving like a halftime, you know, synopsis type tweet, I don't look at it. Uh, I try to just stay focused into the game. I think it can be a wasteland of, of impulse. Oh, comments, really? So I just don't even bother. You don't uh, get a lot of facts from there? No. Uh, but I, I was at the point last night where I was just like, this is absurd on the threats play because like uh. the whole point of targeting is you're targeting a player. You're trying to intentionally do something to them with your helmet or shoulder to their head or whatever. Both players are diving to catch the ball. The ball bounces off his helmet. Like he's clearly he not tr not trying to target the receiver if he's diving for the ball and the ball bounces off his helmet. I, he I was the just ball. I was just at a loss on that one, and the the overarching thing that just drive drove me crazy was that this game was physical. It was chippy. It there was shit after the play nonstop, but apparently only by one team. Yeah. Up until that point, Tulsa had one penalty, and it was because they were offsides on a kickoff. So you're telling me that you're, the refs are blowing their whistles and separating the players after almost every play, but the only people committing penalties are the UC players. Like, it's it was nonsense. The Eric Phillips roughing the passer penalty what? is easily top five worst roughing the passer penalties I've ever seen. Like, yeah. he literally hit him nanoseconds after he threw the ball. I was watching the USC game last night. Dude takes two steps and annihilates Caleb Williams right in front of the refs and they don't throw a flag. Huh? Like, I, I just don't. Now, granted, some of those penalties are absolute penalties. Like, it was late. The, the, Justin the, Harris grabbed the receiver in the end zone. Ryan Mullaney it, had no business hitting that dude that, out of bounds. that far out of bounds. Like, Ivan Pace shoved the one guy like two steps awful, out of bounds. That one was awful, too. Yeah. I mean, if you if you don't shove a 260-pound guy hard enough to knock him down, then it's not a penalty. I would also agree with that. Like he's and that's there, a monster of, of that's a monster of, of a running back. He was out of bounds and he pushed him and didn't even hardly budge him. Yeah, <laughs> it was so, like. I mean, I just my the 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 big picture to me was just that like you cannot be serious and tell me that this game is is the way that it is, but only one team is, is doing all of this. And then at the end, I don't know who he hit. I hope he's okay. But Juan Carlos Santana pulled the biggest cheapskate mother you-know-what penalty I think I've seen in a long time. Just two hands shoving to the back right on our sideline 
I'm surprised that it didn't start a fight. Because that was like the dirtiest, one of the dirtiest plays I've seen in a long time. I might have missed that. It was at the very end, of, very end of the game, like <clears throat> one of their very last plays. I wonder if that's why... Um... They called the flag for it, but I mean, Luke went nuts and it was so blatantly obvious, but it was just like, that is everything that, that they are. Like, you you want to muck it up, you want to get dirty and all that and try to provoke and whatnot, but then at the end of the day, you're pushing a guy that in the back that can't see you right right on our bench. I wonder if that had to do with... Um... Luke, after the game was over, was on a beeline to one of our guys. Um, I couldn't see Justin who it Harris. Was. It wasn't Justin probably, Harris. Justin, Justin either Harris. got pushed, or he was okay. either the guy that got pushed, or saw who got pushed and probably got you know agitated. Yeah, he was. Uh, Luke was because obviously, I mean, we know how what kind of what kind of program Luke runs, so he wasn't going to have any of that. It also uh, seems so like maybe Luke, that, that, had, Luke had some words for Philip Montgomery after the game, and then they cut away from that real fast. I don't want to yeah. speculate, but it didn't seem like your typical, you know, handshake, good luck, rest of the year type. <laughs> right. Thing. Like, go get them the rest of the year kind of handshake. Yeah. Yeah. And then some. I saw on Twitter this somebody more, said, more like, of a stay in this somebody said the fans tried to, like, start stuff with our players. And then their players ran over at you know after the game or whatever. Wouldn't surprise um, me. No, I mean, just like you know, it just you know, it's you got to be better than that. A lot of those penalties were penalties, so like I'm not. Yeah. It's I'm not here sitting Look, here saying like that. That we all know the Bearcats like, aren't oh. a team that's gonna like play a hundred percent clean game as far as like. No, they they getting play penalty, through, getting they flagged, play through right? the like, whistle way too much, and I don't ever want them to stop playing that way. No, um, they're they're, they're, you, they're penalties of aggression for the most part. I mean, some of them are a little like lack of of mental acuity at that moment. Right. But my problem was just that both teams were playing like that, but only yes. one was getting getting the calls. Oh. So, whatever they we still won. Yeah. Yeah, they can. That's they all that, and that's all that matters. And exactly. basically, uh, I think the Bearcats were just trying to get their uh, their average penalties back to ten per game because uh, they fell under that. Yeah, they got it. They got to chase it, chase down Houston. Right. <laughs> Holy. Oh, you want you want to get into Aaron? Don't forget to speak about Houston later. Jason says some Tulsa player tried to go into the Bearcats exit of the field after the game. I'm sure that would have gone over. They well. should have let him. Yeah. Like, oh, was it was it Keelan Stokes? Because he probably shouldn't have been playing after last week. Yeah, that was that's that was a nice little to it. He went again though. He went back into the game last week. Last week, so. which is wild. How do you have a guy that's like looks like a baby deer, and <laughs> you put him back in the game? Yeah, he didn't have it. He passed the concussion test. Yeah. Uh, it was probably the same. Yeah, the same guy that Unaf- got same fired uno- yesterday. Yeah, the same unaffiliated <laughs> guy that got fired yesterday. Yeah. Good Lord. Uh, but, yeah, so, you know, I, I'm kind of, as the whole program is, I'm kind of done with Tulsa, this game, and, and forever included. So I think we can, we, we can move on to uh, another. I mean, I guess there weren't, like, the crazy upsets, but, like, 
another uh, fairly interesting day around the nation. I think first and foremost, like Georgia, like what's going on, fellas? Like uh, Kent State when... gave you a game, and then Missouri. crappy Missouri is like whooping your tail in the fourth quarter. Now again, kind of like we talked about earlier, like the other teams will figure out a way. But yeah, that it's... has to be like the concern level has to be rising when you're getting pushed by a, a MAC team and then one of the you know worst teams in the SEC. So I, I you know I was I was at that concert and I was getting these like updates from some people or whatever. I saw a, a message and it said like uh, Georgia's losing sixteen to three to Missouri. <laughs> I was like, um, <laughs> is this like? This is like a fluke thing that happened where they're, you know, are they going for two? Like, did they score two touchdowns and then went for two? Like, what is happening? Uh, and then obviously I checked the score later to see that they won, but not convincingly. No, um, I mean, they needed 14 points in the in the fourth mm-hmm. quarter and well into the fourth quarter. So, I mean, it's like, you know, they, they could not run the ball until I mean, they got some runs going at the end, but, like, they could not run the ball against Missouri. Yeah, um, leading rusher. It looks like in the game was a uh, was Missouri's running back. Yeah, but Six you know, they're, 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 like the Oklahoma State Baylor game, I watched a good amount of. That was a fun, fun game, fun back and forth game. Oklahoma State's defense, you know, a lot. There were a lot of questions about whether how they were going to be with Jim Knowles leaving to go to Ohio State. They still seem very, very legit. Um, I watched it. Quite a bit of the UCLA Washington game on Friday. Yeah, I, I caught some of it. UCLA's, Michael Penix. UCLA's rolling, man. They look oh, good. Yeah. Well, that and then did you see there was uh I don't know if it um if it made like any if anybody like showed the highlight of it, but Washington's kicker saved a touchdown uh by slide tackling oh, the, yeah. the return guy. Yeah. <laughs> I was watching it. They called him for the penalty. I was like, "Yeah, he slide tackle." <laughs> they called him for out. stripping. I'm like, it's like when the play happened, I didn't catch it. Like when it was live, yeah. And I just thought I thought it was like a shoestring tackle, and the guy because he like took like that bounding step and then like a front roll. And I was like, "Oh, that's a good little like a good good tackle or whatever." And then there's a flag, and they're calling tripping, and I'm like, "He just dove and hit him in the foot." And when they showed slow mo, and the kicker literally jumped, slide tackles across. And the yeah. announcers were like, well, you know, a lot of times these kickers come from a soccer, soccer background. <laughs> and like, <laughs> It only would have been better if you, like, you know, karate kicked him or something. Uh, Alabama-Arkansas game was a blowout. Then Bryce Young got hurt, which I hope Bryce Young is fine to play following the October 16th game in Knoxville. Or October 15th, whatever day that Saturday is. <laughs> like, I, I wish him all the best. You know, two after weeks from day? now. Mm-hmm. Yeah. But uh, that got interesting for a minute. Well, it was a, after was, it was they, like a five-point game. Well, they had an onside kick. They Arkansas scores, onside kick, scores. Uh, then Alabama is lined up for a punt, and the long snapper misses the punter by nine yards to the right, not over his head, like shanks the snap. Arkansas scores again, and then – from that point on, Alabama just blew their doors off. It was like instantly they were like, all right, we're done screwing around and 21 straight points, and it wasn't a game again. Like it got it's interesting. Probably they and knew it, that Nick Saban was, was going to kick them all off the team and yeah. repla- replace all the starters with 
the his backup five stars. Right. Uh, let's see who else who else caught my eye. Um, Kansas five and Jayhawks baby. Yo. Game game day. Lawrence Kansas this week five and Jayhawks five and TCU. Big Twelve is rolling. New Big Twelve gonna be awesome. Like, and that that's the that's the thing I was thinking about a little bit last night was like. Is it too late for Oklahoma to just uh, rescind their movement to the SEC? Well, I don't know. I I think they're just fine with that, although the the play on the field might not be uh, what they envisioned. But, like, I think the biggest biggest adjustment for the Bearcats and, you know, going forward is going to be, like, you got to get some – you're going to have so much tougher environments – so much better competition when you play on the road. Yeah. Like Nippert is Nippert, Nippert is Nippert. The streak will continue. Somebody in the Big Twelve will probably come in and beat them. I don't see them losing a home game this this wrapping up this year. But like <clears throat> you, you're going to be going to even can't like I mean who knows what Kansas ends up being. But like they sold out two games in a row. Yeah. Kansas has been. One of the worst Power Five, one of the worst overall college football programs for like the last twenty years, and they sold out two games in a row. So it's going to be an adjustment. It's going to be something that they need to get used to because, like, in all honesty, like outside of UCF, where where do they go in the conference that has more than fifty percent of their stadium full? Like Houston's Just, supposed to be good and has a gajillion people in that city, and they couldn't come close to putting anybody in that stadium the other night. Yeah, uh, I mean, I guess I guess Navy typically has a, a big student section, but that's because they all like have to go. Yeah, but still, only like twenty thousand people. So, uh. <laughs> but you know, the Big Twelve just TCU just kicked the ever living crap out of Oklahoma, um, Kansas State. Want to get like. Just some good, good teams. Obviously, Oklahoma State's in the top ten. Baylor's now three and two. Was sixteenth. I'm not sure they should still be ranked, um, but just really exciting stuff. Like all the games are good. All, you know, there's no premier premier team this year. I wouldn't say, but it's just a very enjoyable. Like if you just want to sit down and watch a good football game or an entertaining football game. Like I watched. Oklahoma State Baylor, and then I also watched Iowa State Kansas, which was fourteen to eleven, and you know they were both exciting games to watch. Iowa yep. State's kick- kicker probably not having a great day today, but um, there was what, another there was another interesting uh, game, and this is one that comes from well outside the top twenty-five. But five and O Syracuse was playing Wagner, running clock. They were up. Uh, they were up like forty-nine to nothing, I think. 49 nothing at the half. And then Syracuse tweeted out that um, the two teams had agreed to only play 10-minute quarters in the second half. Yes. And that Which... meant that meant all bets were null and void. So oh, if, you really? bet on, if you bet on Syracuse to to cover, which they would have, uh, them changing the, the clock situation voided all wagers on that game. That sucks. <laughs> yeah yes it did so uh <laughs> you know it's, it's never a bad day when our our you know our friends in the in the commonwealth lose 
So uh, you, you did had you see his hand? Oh yeah, his finger did an Anthony Munoz. It was all the way to the side, uh, and yeah, they still that, almost won that game. That was a crazy ending too. You had uh, they bust a play, get down there, and uh, score the winning touchdown. It was funny because Kentucky goes uber slow, like they are the antithesis of. 2022 college football like they are slow tempo for some reason they bust a screen down inside the, the 10 or 15 and they go fast throw a touchdown but get called for a penalty for illegal motion because they weren't lined up and weren't set and then on the very next play will Levis set gets sacked and fumbles and, and Ole Miss wins so like why were you why were you going so fast you didn't have to go that fast it wasn't like you know Five seconds left in the game. Um, and then Louisville gets beat by terrible Boston College. So, you know. It's awful. Texas A&M not... lost again. Yeah, because so. their offense stinks. There you go with that. Uh, LSU beat Auburn. That was and... a cluster game as well. <laughs> um, Pitt losing to, to Georgia Tech, to, to zombie Georgia Tech. Like, that. that's a very, very Pitt thing to do. Uh, uh, the Big Ten West, like who is the best team in the Big Ten West? Is it Illinois? P- Purdue beats Minnesota. Uh, Wisconsin gets rolled by Illinois. They're 0-2. Nebraska beats Indiana. Um, Indiana. Oh, there was. So Purdue, earlier in yeah. the week, some call-in show in Nebraska, I saw on Twitter, some former Nebraska coach just went off on Tom Allen, Indiana's coach, and called him like a cheerleader, and <laughs> it was it was very funny, and it's, it's like kind of like accurate, like he is very much like a a rah rah like play on emotion, and they have this saying leo. I don't even know what it means, but um, uh. But it was very funny to just hear someone just just come out and be like, "I don't like that guy. He's a cheerleader." Jason, <laughs> what you just, this? I'm as someone that is very into the NFL draft. I'm cannot. I'm very in, interested in Will Levis because a lot of people are very high on him from an NFL standpoint, and I don't really see it. Like he's he's got all the size, you know, arms, all the tangible things. But, like, I don't know. I just – I don't know if it's the offense that they're in, but I I don't see him as, like, this, uh, you know, first-round Sherlock type draft pick. Yeah, Josh, the, <laughs> the Big Ten should absolutely announce 10-minute quarters for the championship game because whether it's Ohio State, Michigan, or maybe Penn State – like. State. Yeah, I would say Michigan and Ohio State are cut above Penn State, which I still yeah. think is good. But like that championship game could be one of the ugliest games of the well, season. And, and you know, like, and that's on the Big Ten because they know, like, which of these program, like, what programs they have and where they like split them up. And they, I mean, they've done this themselves. Like, you put your your arguably your two best programs up in in the in the east 
and then you leave the the west is like the also rands right they're they're so they're so hell-bent on protecting these rivalries but so just schedule it then or right there could have been a way like how the sec does it to where like tennessee and alabama play every year and you know i'm not loving that for the last decade but like you know you could have had you know one of the michigans in the west and still had Michigan and Michigan State play each other. Like I mean, I didn't even know Michigan State was still a Big Ten school after what's gone on so far this oh, year. Yeah. So. Bearcat twelve just said thoughts on Michigan State. Uh, they're well, not there you good. Go. Yeah, um, that's that's my first thought. I uh, I didn't. I not... saw somebody was holding a sign yesterday that said maybe jumped the gun on the Mel Tucker on the contract, extension. Yeah. Like... Maybe overreacted to baseless rumors of LSU being interested in him. Right. Where we just said, here's $95 million. Like, you know, but hey, good for, good for them. They're going to have more money than they know what to do with in a couple of years, so they can spend that on whatever they want to. But uh, yeah, there were not, now that, you know, I love college football, so I watch all of it every week anyway. But yesterday was not, you know, no wild endings that I can think of, no crazy upsets really um coastal so maybe we're just setting up for for a nice uh a nice week next week or something no there was the wild ending where the dude jumped over somebody to win the game was that was that coastal liberty one of those schools out there the chanticleers whatever liberty maybe well that would be coastal that would be coastal. coastal okay then i was right the first time the liberty yeah. there was a the best touchdown catch of the season so far i would say was in the liberty game yeah, Coastal hurdled a guy at the goal line to win the game. To win? Yeah. Well then. What what conference is that? The Fun Belt. So, and that is a that is going to be a fun fun conference as as they get going. But uh, yeah, thirty four thirty beat Georgia Southern. So that might have been on the was that on like the literal last play of the game. Let's look at the game cast. I don't know. It was it says, popping up. Coastal all Carolina head. remains unbeaten after wild finish. Told you. CJ um, Beasley runs 24 yards for the go ahead touchdown in the final minute, leaping yeah. over a defender on the way to visit. Did you guys know that that's a penalty in Ohio high school football? Yeah. CJ Hester from Wyoming got flagged for it a few weeks ago. Yeah. If you hurdle a guy. It's a penalty, which is just super weird. Like, what? Why is that a penalty? I don't get it. But player uh, safety, player worst, safety, Dave. Worst, yeah. Worst, worst contract, Mel Tucker or Jimbo? Uh, I don't know. That's a tough call. I, I don't know. I think Can they're you both. Say it's just a tie. I think they're both <laughs> they're, terrible. They're both just so bad. They're they're, they're both terrible. I mean. You know, you could, I guess, I don't, I don't know. Because you're, both of them are in like divisions where. It's not that, acceptable where you, to. No, where you just have like Goliaths with Ohio State and Alabama. And obviously things can change when they go. I think everybody's going to go divisionless. So. You can get your doors blown off by Ohio State, but still, uh, 
go to the conference championship in a couple years when they get rid of divisions and whatnot. Natalie does make a good point. Jimbo does have a ring. Um, but he's, he's trading on that for, he's been trading on that for a while. I mean, we saw how the FSU finish ended and then now it's like, yeah, he's recruiting, but like they can't score and you're in Texas. Like, how do you not have good offensive talent? Um, but yeah, they're, they're both not looking great and they're both not going to get fired anytime soon. So, you know, we'll see how it goes. I mean, Michigan state still hasn't even played the good big 10 teams yet. Like when you lose, they lose to Maryland this week. They lost to Maryland this week and they lost to Minnesota last week. Like they still got to play Ohio state. You know what? Like I can almost like, I I realize like Minnesota is not like any, but like they're kind of an old head Big Ten team, right? Like Minnesota they, was they, playing great. I mean, right. they were they had the they had a crazy stat where they had gained the most yards available of any team in the country and also allowed the fewest yards available of any team in the country. So like they were playing really, really, really good, and then they go out at home and lose to Purdue twenty to ten, which makes no sense. But, but yeah, like Michigan you lose, State, you lose Michigan to Maryland. State still has to play Ohio State, Penn State, and, and Michigan. Well, I mean, uh, <laughs> I don't think that there's any hope for them to win any of those games. No, I mean, I guess and, college football can be crazy sometimes, but like, I don't know that it can be that crazy. Like, if if Indiana can't win and can't beat Nebraska, like, I guess their one chance, real chance for not going over the Big Ten schedule two years in a row is Rutgers maybe like I I can't like what do you do if you if your team does not win a big 10 game or wins one in two years and it's against Rutgers like you got to fire a coach right I mean you would think like you can't you can't hang your hat on that in the big 10 good luck stick around good luck recruiting with with that on on your next year but uh Anybody else? I don't think I don't really have anything else nationally. Um, uh, going through all the all the scores here doesn't like doesn't look like there was anything too crazy. Kind of uh, kind of jump then to the NFL, and we'll kick it off with our you know our Bearcats Bearcats in the NFL. Uh, what performances from Week Four? Did you did you uh, take note of? Um, I, I I'm going to give a shout out to Aaron here, um, and then anybody listening, uh, executive you can use... executive producer extraordinaire. That's right. Uh, anybody listening can also use this, and I've seen it kind of gain the hashtag uh, Bearcats in the NFL. Yes, it's very, uh, very good. It is very helpful uh, to kind of scroll through, and then I know uh, UC also kind of put out like a top Bearcat performances in the league from week three so we're talking about last week um obviously like sauce uh against jamar and and that whole thing uh four tackles one tackle for loss uh two pass defense for sauce which it threw me off when i went on uh, the jets roster because he's listed as s gardner um and <laughs> instead of like i was like up and threw me off um he might be the only NFL player listed by his nickname on the roster. Yes. Um, Derek Forrest had three tackles, one tackle for a loss again. Um, Kobe Bryant had a sack. 
Travis Kelsey, four receptions, 58 yards, and a touchdown. Uh, Alec Pierce had three receptions for 61 yards uh, and looked very good and was getting a lot of praise on, on Twitter from the Colts faithful. Like, this is the kind of receiver we've needed for a long time. Oh, I'm, um, I'm sure the Colts fan love Alec Pierce for – a multitude of reasons, and I'll just leave it at that. Yeah, and then uh, <laughs> then here here's a name that might be a little blast from the past. Uh, Bearcat, uh, Chris Moore, three receptions, sixty three yards. Dude's had a dude's carved out a very solid NFL career with the Ravens and the Texans now yeah. as a yeah. as kind of like your you know fourth ish, third ish, depending on your roster receiver, and then like a a special teams guy that is is. Pretty much on all the units. What do they? What do they call it? A special team savant. Ma- Ma- Maven. Maven. Maven is the big one that drives. He, he, that, that he's made it to Maven to at this yeah, point. He, I think he's a special teams Maven. Uh, <laughs> one guy I do want to highlight that we have not talked about because it's hard to talk about offensive linemen if you aren't watching the game. Is James Hudson for the Browns? Uh, PFF has him number tied for number seven. In uh, for NFL tackles in pass block win rate so far this year at 95 or no ESPN analytics. Sorry, I thought it was PFF. It is ESPN analytics tied for seventh, 95% pass block win rate. So that is uh, quite good playing uh, right tackle for the Browns. So congrats to James on, you know, getting his career going in a, very, very positive way. Um, you know, I think some of these guys, I think Alex Roll, you know, now that he has shaken off that early concussion, is only going to expand. They kind of, they, oh. the Colts kind of sneaky stink, even though they somehow beat the Chiefs. Like, I'm still wondering how you got blanked by the Jags. I know they seem to be better, but that was a really, really weird result. Um, so we'll see, hopefully see his role increase. Um, you know, I still, the, the Falcons have not fallen off the face of the earth yet. So I don't think we're really yeah. anywhere near, not on Des watch yet. We're not anywhere near on Des on Des watch. Um, Kelsey does what, what Kelsey does. Jason Kelsey is still you know, a stalwart an, of the anchoring, uh, Anchoring the the best offensive line in the league, um, still getting it done, man. He he's a an incredible incredible dude to be that size, going up against the guys that he's going up against now at the age he is, and still being just so so productive is. I mean, I don't. I mean, he won a Super Bowl. He's been like, he's a Hall of Fame player. His brother, his brother, uh, asked him on on their podcast if uh, this was if this was the end, and uh, he's like, "Well, he's like, I don't, I don't know, am I going?" And Travis was like, "Yeah, I think you got two more years left in you. I think you got two years." <laughs> he almost thought like, about retiring this year. Yeah, two, Jason was like, years. you could see on his face, he was like, "Man, I'm I like, got oh, two more years." I've not had a chance to listen to. I've I've listened to some like the highlights the clips, posted yeah. on Twitter. Sounds like it's a it's a fun podcast to listen to called New it's, Heights. Yeah, it's super super fun. Like they, uh, Jason, in like the first episode, he talks about how like they kind of came together. Like they got this idea, like whatever, so that they could 
kind of connect um, during the season a little bit more than they have right. been able to do. And, uh, and so, like, literally, it's just a couple of dudes, you know, having a having a talk, and they're they're both so incredibly intelligent as far as football goes, and and every really everything else too. But uh, just their takes and like some of the stories that they have from their years in the NFL are are fascinating. But I mean, it's good morning, Crip Keeper. Uh, thank you for joining Lambig. Sorry that you got to go, but thanks for jumping on. I know you're out in, in California. Um, like he's a Hall of Famer. Yeah. From from a walk on linebacker to center to sixth round draft pick to, I mean, arguably the best center in the NFL for the last decade, like all pro has a Super Bowl. Like that dude is going into the Hall of Fame. It's just such a I don't think a you'll remar- find anybody that's going to argue against that. A remarkable, just unbelievably awesome story, awesome career. Uh, hopefully then when he retires, we get like the Jason Kelsey Hall of Fame Mummers tribute, you know, locker room or some, something like that. Um, but yes, Natalie, that was one of the clips that they did put up on Twitter talking about Fat Batman. Because uh, they have, they call these different receivers like Skinny Batman, Swoleback Batman for the Eagles. So he said he is Fat Batman. I think, and I think you're gonna have Travis Kelsey's obviously gonna go into the Hall. Of Fame yeah, I mean, when his career is done, so you would I, think. I mean, he's got a Super Bowl. He's obviously been him and George Kittle, I think, for the last, you know, Gronkowski earlier in the decade. But um, I mean, he's that, approaching ten thousand career uh, receiving yards. It's just, I mean, just awesome, awesome stuff, dude. Av- so, he's th- averaging twelve point eight yards per reception for his career. It's, it's remarkable. Uh, he also seems to always wear something you see on the podcast. Yes. Is that a, is that a, is that a thing? Or I am I just I like noticing that that... I don't know if it's like so much a thing, like he purposely does it or like it's just like, you know, he's got a bunch of UC gear laying around. So he Which just then always cracks me up so. because he does that. He does the UC like... In the end zone. In the end zone. He's doing these videos, but then people will still get mad when they're on a national TV game and he says Travis Kelsey, the Heights, instead of the University of Cincinnati. Right. It's like, why does that bother you? Like he does all these things to publicize UC and make it known that he went to UC, but then him just rep- repping his high school bothers you. Yeah, I don't know. <laughs> uh, it, that's I don't know. It's stupid. People get so like butt hurt over the dumbest. I'm the things. dumbest shit. Yes, absolutely. Like, like just picking like, something. To I don't get care if the by. dude's like you know Travis Kelsey from the state of Ohio or like Travis Kelsey American. Like am, people am I the only? Like, am I the only dork that since I was a kid, like whenever they do those intros, I try to see how many guys I know where they went to college at. Like I say like their before college they, before, before they do to see how many I know. I'm I'm probably a pretty big dork for doing that, but I've been doing. How often it do you like get it right? More times than not, I have a like I have a very weird memory of like where guys played in school. Do you have Do you have like a a charcoal pencil that you mark a? No, I I do not have like a, a, a tally for for every every guy that <laughs> every guy that I get right. Got another one. It's probably from just like being in the as much into the draft as I am. Yeah, and I just know where these guys played, but. um 
We know a lot, of, a lot of Bearcats uh, in the league. A lot of Bearcats doing good things in the league, and I think we will now get out of here with a quick little. You know, the, the Bengals played Thursday night. How did you like the white helmets? Awesome. Like I love what they're doing from, um, like a turning every game into kind of like its own thing, because before. It was the stalest game day production. The music hadn't been changed in 20 years. Like my, my dad's had season tickets forever and I had gone for a long time and all of my friends and I would always be like, Oh, here comes this song. Cause it's this point in the third, like we just knew it. It was so yeah. bad. And they've changed it. Just flipped it on its head. 180 degrees. Like the white helmets, the white, the end zones look sweet. Like everything about it to me, it was awesome. And you just hear more and more that, people that go and the, the talk about like trying to make it like more of a college experience and like each game is its own event. And, and that's the way it should be. Like that makes it fun. And it was super unfortunate to see what happened to it. Like, yeah, I'm not going to get into all that. Like, I think it's yeah. more, more egregious that he went back in the game against Buffalo than he played this week. Um, I would agree with that. Yeah. But like, you know, the def- again, the defenses in this town are legit. Like, the Bengals' defense has given up four touchdowns in four games, has given up one touchdown in, like, in the, the last half. 13 quarters or something. Yeah. 14 quarters. Um, oh, no, I think, it's, I think it's more than that. Is it now? Because I know it was, it was – they gave up one Thursday. Um, yeah. They hadn't given one up in, like, 11 quarters, and then I think okay, when they did that up in the third quarter or something – um, I still think like the offensive line pass blocking has gotten much better the last two weeks, and I'm sure that's partly because they're not going up against Cam Hayward, TJ Watt, and Micah Parsons. So that has a that's big fair. to do with it, and they're not going to go up against those type of guys very much the rest of the year. Um, Browns, Steelers again, but like the Ravens don't have a pass rush, Falcons don't have a pass rush, like some of the teams they're playing coming up. But I think Zach is still too he's still too predictable and the run game way, issues like way too predictable and the run game issues are not, are to me are not on the offensive line. They're on every time they're under center, they run the damn ball. It's like it's you know, pretty I also obvious. Saw, I also so I don't know. Maybe people think that I'm ridiculous, but I think Joe Mixon's lost a step, maybe a little bit. But he's also I saw and and maybe it's not that he's lost a step, but I saw a thing today yesterday um where he is like people ha- are calling out that he's like tipping plays by the way he lines up in the backfield like if it's going to be a run he's like like leaning forward and ready more, to go if it's more a, hunched over yeah and if it's a pass he's like standing more upright in the yeah. backfield and like they were like clip upon clip huh. of it uh of I it happening not, i had not seen that but oh. uh he does. I mean, he is very much of like a cutback style runner. Yeah. And I do wonder if, you know, and I'm not going to be like Shamaj P. Ryan's better than him. That's no. a ridiculous thing to say. Yeah. But like you saw in the Jets game when they needed to kill the clock, they, Shamaj is just a very much get the ball, go forward. Joe is yes. more, more is Joe is more of like a let the play develop and then cut it back off behind the, the offensive line's ass. Um, 
but it's just not like whatever it is, whether it's the blocking isn't great, which it's not great, but like if he is tipping, yeah, and, and Zach is you know predictable for being predictable from a run game standpoint, you, like you're not gonna be able to have, run the ball when you have two points of reference to be like, all right. This would be a play where they would call run and he's leaning forward like there's yeah. like yeah. a 99% chance this is about to be a run. <laughs> Burrow so. is under center and Mixon is practically laying on the ground. I think <laughs> they're going to run the ball. Right, exactly. But, you know, at the same time, it's like that. this is why the NFL, like to me too, is everybody freaks out after 0-2, which, I mean, they could have won both games. They didn't. They win two games in five days. They're 2-2 two and two, and... Nobody in the AFC I mean, seems to be like running away with any absolute world beaters. I mean, <clears throat> I think the Bills have issues. The Chiefs clearly have some issues. Like the Bengals clearly have some issues. Like I think Lamar Jackson is playing great, but I think he's papering over some some Baltimore issues. So you know, you're you're two and two. You got thirteen games left. They're they're in. They're in just a just fine position, I think. There's literally only one undefeated team left. Yeah, the Eagles. There's a, yeah. So, I mean, you you've clawed your way back to the two and two, uh, yeah. and then what do we got? The Ravens this week, right? Or coming up with like, Ravens ten, Sunday ten night, days which now. I mean, yeah. they've dog walked them the last two games, so they clearly don't fear them. And if they want to chuck it, they're going to chuck it because the Ravens secondary isn't great oh. and they don't get any pressure on the quarterback. So, you know, the, the Bengals have given up what 20 is 23, the most points in overtime to uh, the Cowboys. So they're right there. So we'll, you know, we'll, we'll see what happens, but Joe, I think is still like working he, on, he, he was, still has he, some like, he was off for a while the other night, but they hit the explosives and that's what kind of the same thing we've talked about with UC. And then like, like, when you look at, if you look at the touchdowns, so like, this is what, ma- this made me laugh during the game while I was watching it. Um, when uh, Higgins got hit down the line for his touchdown over on the left side. Yeah. And he kind of like caught it and then jogged in um, on, on, was it Xavier Howard that was covering him on yeah. that play? I think so if, and I'm sure people have seen it because, like everybody's put videos of it up now, but they had all, I mean, they had their, their two high safeties and they both were shaded to Jamar's side. And yeah, I get it that like Jamar like four, and Boyd four were guys, Four guys in the vicinity of, of Jamar. And... Right. And like, and Boyd cut his route off early. And so then it appeared even more egregious that there were four, you know, two safeties and two corners literally like, like double bracketing Jamar Chase <laughs> and and then T Higgins on the other. So like you, know, you, you want to dare T Higgins to be great. Like he, he is. So you're going to get burned a lot. For sure. For sure. But uh, I think that, you know, th- Oh, I would, I do want to point out. Thank you, Zach, oh. for the uh, donation, just so that he can publicly say Tulsa, hey, Tulsa sucks. sucks. I agree. Excellent. But uh, that that wraps it up here for another episode of the Bearcat Brunch. Thanks to Jeff again for co-hosting. Thanks again for Oil Links Golf Tours. We will have Hayden Moore on next week to talk some Bearcats, to probably talk some 
some career, how he got into this whole Royal Lynx golf tour thing. Um, we'll have the ever popular nightcap tonight with the AAC recap. We will have the BBP. We will have the Aaron's part of the punctuation. We've got so many, so many pods now, so much content. Please leave a comment on the YouTube page, on iTunes, on Spotify, rate, subscribe, all those things. We uh, greatly, greatly appreciate everybody and can't wait to be with you again next Sunday after what I'm going to assume will be another uh, Bearcats win. So with that, I Absolutely. thank you and have a great day. Bye.